Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast featuring exclusive content and interviews with leaders in the WordPress community, covering everything from development to integrating your digital marketing strategy with WordPress. Join host David Vogelpohl of WP Engine and special guests from across the community as they keep you up to speed on the latest advancements in WordPress. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine. And I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at WPDavidV, and you can subscribe to Press This on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or download the latest episodes at WMR.FM. In this episode, we're going to be talking about tasty WordPress SEO, particularly for food bloggers. And joining us in that conversation is Mr. Casey Marquis. Casey, welcome to Press This. Great to be here, David. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad you're here. I know this is a topic that's uh, right up your alley. I remember when we first met was when we spoke on the same session at the last PubCon in Vegas around SEO and WordPress. And it was uh, kind of funny for me seeing your uh, fan club of food bloggers that had kind of followed you into the session. I was like, who is this guy? Uh, It was really good to get to know you there, learn more about what you do in WordPress and SEO, particularly around food blogging um, and recipe sites. It's it's an explosive niche. I think after that 
you know, meeting of you there in Vegas, I kind of dug in a little deeper. I know we share a lot of friends like Skylar yeah, yeah. behind the Foodie Pro theme uh, mm-hmm. with WordPress, which of course is built with Genesis, which is you know big part of my world. Sure. Um, but I was really just kind of shocked at the size and scale of uh, food blogging niche, both in terms of number of sites and and like the popularity of those sites. So I think there's. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, kind of an important issue uh, topic for a lot of folks, both from the food blogging community and also, of course, the agencies and freelancers that serve them. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. Um, so Casey, first question I have for you, same question I ask every guest, um, briefly tell me about your WordPress origin story. What was the first time you used WordPress? Wow, yeah, that is a, that is a good good starting question there. Yeah, I have been working with WordPress since the Kubrick default theme days of 2005, if you remember all the way back there, and then uh, all the way up to the introduction of custom post types in 2010, and then supportion, uh, the support of HTTPS in 2016, and here we are now in the age of Gutenberg and the block editor, so I, I can confidently say I have seen it all. All right, 2005, and you know your WordPress history well. 2003, of course, was when WordPress was created, so you were there just in the very early days. Um, And I think it's also interesting to hear about the fact that you even recognize that you were there for custom post types (laughs) and how that changed WordPress. Definitely, definitely. Today's world with Gutenberg and the block editor, um, we're kind of in, I, I believe we're in also one of those moments of, of great change and also great opportunity. Very so, much so you, uh, tell me about media wise, um, this is your company and tell me a little bit about what y'all do and how you service your clients. Sure. Sure. So media wise is my SEO consultancy. It's been active since about 2000. I'm going to be celebrating my second decade in SEO in just a couple months, actually. I'm based just outside of San Diego. I've been working in the fields of SEO and digital marketing for, like I said, about the last two decades, providing general consulting, SEO training, conference speaking, and predominantly site audits. I've been fortunate to work with uh, publications like Search Engine Journal, SearchEngineNews.com for many, many years. In those capacities, I've trained SEO teams on five different continents, authored hundreds of articles, and conducted site audits on literally thousands of sites. So I, it's, it's been a great, great experience for me personally. And I know it's a podcast that so people, of course, can't see your, the company name, but why is WISE spelled W-Y-S-E and not W-I-S-E? Yeah, probably because W-I-S-E was not available, is, I believe. <laughs> I mean, if, looking back in two decades. So, yeah, MediaWise, M-E-D-I-A-W-Y-S-E, WMediaWise.com. So, yeah, you can find me online and uh, always happy to make a new friend. So, definitely look me up. Or on Twitter, same same channel different platform media wise there okay so if necessity is the mother of invention lack of domain names is the mother of invention with company names so very much so very much so i like it i like it all right well let's get to the topic at hand um so tell me about the work you do with food bloggers like uh what sort of project you kind of talked about auditing a little bit but like Mm -hmm. tell me specifically with the food blogger niche like what are you doing with them yeah, so uh, it works great for me because I love food. So it's been an exceptional concentration for me. Uh, it's not been great for my waistline, but hey, you know, if you have a passion for something, what do they say? You never work a day in your life, supposedly. So I started working with food bloggers in May 2014. I was asked to teach an SEO course at a, at a private blogging function called Camp Bloggerly in Big Bear. And the presentation was really eye-opening to a, 
a lot of people in the audience, and I was flooded with audit requests. Those led to more audit requests. The good thing about the food blogging niche specifically, it is really all referral-based. I mean, if you do a good job with certain people, next thing you know, that person has told five people. That person is next five people have told ten people. Uh, you know, kind of like how the virus spreads. Not that we want to associate food blogging with COVID-19, but nevertheless, it is a that's the world we're living in right now. And and you know, those those led to more audit requests as food bloggers are a very close-knit community. Soon I was auditing some of the top food blogs in the world from Simply Recipes to Half-Baked Harvest to Spin with Pennies. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. Uh, since then, I think conservatively, I would say that I probably audited, pro I would say probably close to 700 to 900 food blogs. And it's been, it's been great for me. I easily book about six to nine months ahead, even during this current pandemic concerning. So it's, it's been a great niche to focus focus on specifically yeah like i said after we met in vegas i kind of went back and dug a little deeper and uh was again shocked at the scale of it um so yeah, much opportunity yeah. there um and, and to be a blogger and of course also to service those people through your agency or freelance business mm -hmm, right so let's get into the seo part though for a minute like what would you say like are the top three areas you think uh that are helpful or needed in food blog mm -hmm. SEO that might be different than like what a normal blog might do for SEO. I'm guessing um, meta titles and descriptions isn't where it ends. Like what are the <laughs> top three things that a food blog might have to take into consideration? Sure. So when we talk about three areas, I, and it's not flippant when I say this, but there, there is a very unique twist with food blogging SEO that really does differentiate it. So we're going to talk briefly. Those three areas are herd mentality, structured data and paid speed and UX. So let's talk about the first one there, the herd mentality. Unfortunately, there is a lot of herd mentality in the food blogging niche whereby small bloggers blindly follow larger bloggers and replicate what they do to very uneven success. What happens in the food blogging niche is the the in the reason to trade, so to speak, of bloggers these days to qualify for an ad network. That's really the goal of a food do-it-yourself and lifestyle blogger. And to do that, they have to get to a certain level of traffic. They want to get to about 25,000 sessions a month so they can qualify for one of the bigger ad networks. A lot of bloggers, unfortunately, don't have quality access to either good training courses or they don't necessarily know what good SEO is as opposed to bad SEO. And a lot of these bloggers will latch on to these larger bloggers who they see and, and just replicate what they're doing. You know, and it could be things like, uh, oh gosh, you know, my blogger's doing this. They're adding all these extra H2s to the page. I better do that. Or I've seen the bigger blogger here do this. And the problem is, is that there's a lot more that go into SEO than just kind of latching on to what these larger bloggers are doing. And a lot of these smaller bloggers don't understand that the reason these larger bloggers are more successful is because they have maybe larger backlink root domain totals larger established email lists and just more established brand authority and EAT. So, so that sounds like in this particular one. niche, and I know this is mm -hmm. kind of common in a lot of niches is that you just kind of copy the bigger competitor and assume right. if they're doing it, it must be good. But of course, as you pointed out, they might be doing well for other reasons. Usually might for be other making, reasons. Yeah. Exactly. But might be making mm -hmm. mistakes relative to their SEO strategy that could be holding them back. And certainly if you replicate it, it would also hold you back. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. 
which I think, you know, and in, in, in seeing how tight-knit that community is, it makes sense that this would manifest itself. So I want to kind of now dive into the other two areas you mentioned, um, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll mm-hmm. be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, marketing on purpose. LPO, landing page optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the Conversion Scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. We're in the middle of our episode, Tasty WordPress SEO for food bloggers with Casey Marquis. Casey, right before the break, we were talking about the three areas of food blogging that you thought Mm -hmm. were unique from an SEO perspective. One that you already mentioned was the herd mentality and how smaller folks tend to copy bigger folks, sometimes to ill effect. What are the other two areas? Well, the second one that we're going to speak about is structured data. The the thing about the food and recipe niche specifically is that it has historically been a test bed for new and most modern changes in structured data or the use of schema to present content in a way that's algorithmically readable by search engines. Structured data, food blocks tend to have more structured data on average due to the use of recipe plugins to mark up content with accepted Google recipe schema. We also are one of the test beds of things for FAQ schema, 
item list schema, how-to schema. All of these are very familiar for the average food and lifestyle blogger, and usually they are required to have a working knowledge of it. And the thing is with structured data is that, unfortunately, all those schema warnings won't hurt you. Schema errors absolutely will, and they will lead even experienced bloggers to experience what we, you know, many of us SEOs, what they're called are spammy structured data penalties. And that's a big focus in my audits is just reviewing structured data and making sure that that's correct, making sure that they're using a competent and fully supported recipe plugin, and then teaching them how to use these various structured data options correctly within WordPress. Uh, and like, it's been highlighted. It's been extremely illuminating. Yeah, to me, that would be like the first thing. It's funny you talk about the recipe and food blogging niche being kind of a test bed. I know we've seen that with like search results and new types mm -hmm. of search results that use schema, um, which I'm sure is also a little uh, disconcerting sometimes to be the test bed. Um, but it sounds like, you know, the use of schema is critical, but also doing it the right way is critical. Is it, you right. mentioned a recipe plugins. Is there any particular plugins you, you tend to like as you think about incorporating recipes with schema? On your yeah. Page? Yeah. The three most popular and probably the most widely supported and professional recipe plugins out there for the niche are WP Recipe Maker, which is uh, put forth by Bootstrap Ventures. They're based in Europe. Uh, they're one of the very first, they're probably the first plugin to implement things like JSON-LD, uh, recipe schema, which is of course the accepted standard now, but at the time when they did it, they were the first. And so it took a little while for everyone to catch up. Then we have WP Tasty. WP Tasty is uh, put out by Food Blogger Pro, the team behind Pinch of Yum, a very well-known blog. And then we have uh, uh, the third one, which is Create. And Create is a plugin put forth by Mediavine, which is one of the larger advertising companies, one of the larger kind of a uh, publisher facilitators in the niche, Mediavine, AdThrive, and there's others below them. But those three plugins by far probably control conservatively, I would say probably 80%, if not higher, of all of the plugins out there for recipe bloggers. It's interesting to hear the ad networks kind of getting involved, at least on the tooling side on the, on the mm -hmm. WordPress front. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how that's so important to the bloggers because that's fundamentally how a lot of them are deriving revenue from sure. blogging is via these ad networks. And this was another eye-opening moment for me, how uh, deep this went with those ad networks. I mean, there were conferences. Oh, yeah. Um, and it kind of also seems also getting into the tooling side. So you had... You know, three kind of main areas. The first is, well, the niche tends to be a you know kind of follow the herd herd mentality. Mm -hmm. the second is the importance of schema, um, and and getting it right. So not only do you rank, but are not penalized. What's the third area? What's the third main area for food blogging SEO? Uh, page speed and, and UX user experience, and I combine those both because they're extremely important. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the goal of the average food blogger is honestly to monetize. Most food blogs are started with the goal being to make it a business and generate a working monthly income. That's the goal of most every person I visit with. Some of them started as a hobby, but the goal with the hobby is to eventually monetize so they can support their family. The main mechanism of doing this is qualifying for an ad network. And we've mentioned again, Mediavine, AdThrive, some of the others exist like Gourmet Ads, Monumetric, others, others out there as well. The problem with that approach though is that a food blog before ads and a food block after ads are completely different beasts. 
And there are SEO choices and practices that go into making a blog a success on both sides of that equation. Page speed and UX tend to take a hit after ads are added to a blog. So understanding best practices here is very important for long-term success. So it's funny because I often think of the the exercise of coming up with your ad uh, mm-hmm. mix and what placements are going to be where is uh, I call it the balance of suffering and joy. Sure. Right? I'm trying to introduce suffering so I make money, but not introduce too much so that way the user has enough joy to to you know enjoy the experience. Why do you consider UX that users experience and performance to be an SE strategy? Well, and that's a good question. And the reason that is, is because there are so many food bloggers out there trying to compete for a very, for, for the same audience. And what happens is that most of these food blogs will do all they can to reach this magical 25,000 level. And then they'll literally stuff their pages with ads and the UX overall, the ability of the user to interact with the content, the ability of the user to garner what they're looking for fast on mobile and tablets will literally go off of cliff. They will lower the ability of the their target audience to interact with their content in a way that was attractive before they added ads. Now, the ad companies now are really have gotten quite a bit better. Mediavine and AdThrive both offer what's called deferred ad loading, meaning that they have provided a technology whereby we can get the page to load first, most of the main content, um, you know, the first contentful paint, so to speak, the first input delay, all those metrics where we're we're loading the first content on the site. We want that to load first, then the ads load after that. And so that's a little bit better of an experience for users. But even doing that, bloggers are at the mercy of these ad companies when they initially sign up and they're like, okay, well, we recommend this many ads and we recommend that you put the ads here and we recommend to do this. And in many cases, it's usually too many ads and we find that the bloggers struggle to build traffic after that long-term. Yeah, I think a lot of, as I think about like the developer crowd, people that might be, you know, of course, servicing some of these folks or any type of site really through consulting, freelancing, agency work. I feel like, you know, performance is understood, at least in the implication to SEO, but I don't think that the notion of UX that, hey, mm-hmm. if I flood my ad, my page with ads, that might lead to a bad user experience, which could have ramifications to SEO. I mean, you and I, of course, both know backlinking is critically important to sites mm-hmm, sure the less people reading your site and are pleased with it the less people are going to link to it so even these um, disconnected concepts if you will can have material impacts on seo which i think is a great point to make i'm glad that's on your list of top three now earlier you talked about um, some of the plugins you like to use um, to address these particular areas um, and, and earlier you talked about like the recipe plugins um, i know you work so mm-hmm. with uh, sure. Foodie Pro, the theme by Fisco and Skyler and all them, what other tools do you like to use when you're optimizing a food site for SEO? That's a good question. And I, like any WordPress site editor, I have a list of recommended plugins and themes that I do recommend. You've mentioned Feast Design Co. with Skyler. Skyler's uh, has done a very good job since he's taken over the site uh, a couple years ago. They've moved to a plugin-based support model where he has now the feast plugin they they push out updates to that almost every month lots of new functionality so that you can take one of these child themes and you know even intersperse it change themes child themes out on the genesis framework whenever you want a lot of built-in functionality within that plugin we can only do so much with the recommended plugins and themes though so what we want to do is you know again I, i i do recommend the genesis framework 
anything that's supported. It has a lot of feature-rich child themes like the feast themes. And then for plugins, what I'm looking at specifically are uh, things that we've seen over and over again. I mean, once you've got works with literally the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sites I have, you, you can see very clearly what's going to work and what is not. So for example, for caching, I recommend WP Rocket, preferably WP Rocket with a CDN like Cloudflare. They work very, very well together, uh, extremely well together actually. Database optimization, I'll recommend something like Optimize Database and Delete Revisions. I actually recommend that over something like WP Optimize because we have a lot more finite control with Optimize Database and Delete Revisions. I can play around with expired transients. I can play around with other things that unfortunately WP Optimize just doesn't provide the level of finite control over. So it sounds like a lot of the tools you're referencing are kind of, um, I wouldn't say generic, but kind of addressing mm -hmm. kind of broader site issues. It sounded like uh, a lot of your time, at least from the food specific perspective is perhaps around schema. I wanna dig a little bit deeper here, but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. We're talking about food blogging SEO with Casey Marquis. Casey, right before the break, you were talking about some of your favorite tools mm -hmm. um, for helping out food bloggers. I think it was really insightful thinking about you know how you think about recipe plugins, but also things like 
you know, caching with tools like WP Rocket, kind of other site management and improvement tools. So I want to get back to the food bloggers, though, for a minute. Um, as you do these hundreds of audits over time, I'm guessing you've seen some patterns. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're jumping into a food blogging site for the first time, what are they typically getting wrong? Like what's coming up like on every audit, basically? Poor, poor image optimization in many cases is one of the biggest things we'll see using understanding that when you're importing recipe or I'm sorry, importing images into WordPress, some simple optimization needs to be done pre-upload. Pre so we might, for example, they might be using something like Lightroom or some other program. We would want them to export the images out at say around 1200 pixels wide so that we can best optimize them for possible traffic from Google Discover. So we have a little bit of extra room to work with there. So we might have them upload the images at 1200 pixels wide, look at the quality make sure that the image in is, is an over 250 or 300 kilobytes when they upload. And then we always kind of push making sure that we've done full image optimization in a bulk style with a plugin like short pixel, which is my top recommendation. And that usually gets the images down in many cases below hundred kilobytes so that we can, kind of get the most improvement we can on the page just by that aspect specifically. That makes actually a lot of sense. I can imagine you making this dish, posting about it, taking your mm -hmm. fancy yeah. DSLR and having this huge image that you've uploaded. So that makes sense. Any other key areas that you think folks are getting wrong consistently? Yeah, just uh, in, inability to, to use the best plugins or inability to use the plugins fully. For example, Yoast SEO is a quality plugin, but the Yoast Premium plugin provides a lot of added benefits that most bloggers are not aware of. One of the best benefits of Yoast Premium is the ability to use what's called an orphan content filter. It's built in. The orphan content filter is just a, a filter that we run against all the content on a blog, and we can see like immediately look at all this content that hasn't been linked from anything else. It's very noisy lake. What you see is what you get. It's a very simple plugin to use, but it's exceptionally important in increasing something that a lot of bloggers overlook, the value of internal links. So when we have something like US Premium, if we can get them to just, you know, spend a couple bucks upgrading that, we run the orphan content filter, we start the internal linking. Just by increasing internal linking, honestly, traffic will go up. That's always been my experience. I love so how little people, things like that. Yeah, I was gonna say I love how people like lament or just worry about how they're going to get more backlinks and they're mm -hmm. not even linking to their own content. Yeah, uh, very true. I think it's funny. Are there any other like high level areas you think that are people are consistently getting wrong? Like are they, are they getting their schema right at all or is that also a common problem? Well, in many cases, especially with the audits, we want to make sure that they're aware that they can use free tools from Google, like the Google Structured Data Testing Tool. I can't tell you how many audits I've had where users did not know that tool existed. Whenever a user, a blogger specifically publishes a new post containing a recipe card, the very first thing they should be doing is popping that URL into the Google Structured Data Testing Tool and looking to see if any warnings or errors are pulled back. Then we can go into the recipe card, we can go into the database and find what the missing information is, and we can fill that out. So that's very important because, again, warnings won't kill you. You don't necessarily need to include, you know, nutrition or, you know, maybe you've, you've missed, uh, maybe it's just something where it doesn't even have a cook time. That stuff won't kill you. Those are warnings. But you'd be surprised at how many blogs forget to include an image in the recipe card or they'll even forget to include the name. Those are errors. We want to make sure that we have that filled out every time because it lowers the quality of the page 
and on an aggregate scale lowers the quality of the domain considerably. So we really want to make sure we get all that stuff dialed in on publish. So what would you say, like, let's maybe think about it from the opposite way. What do you think, like, the average food blogger is getting right by the time you get into the audit? What do you, what do you rarely have to, I mean, maybe this has changed over the years, but what do you think people are getting right more consistently than they had in the past? That's a good question. I would say that they're getting right. They're starting usually with a better theme. A lot of bloggers have, you know, if they're going to copy something, they, they tend to copy correct themes. So we, you know, anything on Genesis is usually good. There are some other options out there. They also are putting together plenty of content. That's a good and a bad thing. Uh, it's a lot of bloggers are confused by them. They've been told by their ad companies, you know, you want to write longer posts. Word count is not now, nor has it ever been a ranking factor. Google has come out and said that multiple times. Research has shown that is not a ranking factor. So the problem is, is that these, these bloggers are getting all this kind of incorrect or non-conformist advice from ad companies saying, hey, you know, write longer posts. That's all you need to do. But they're doing that so they can stuff more ads. They're not doing that because the longer post is going to be better like for that. users. Okay. Yeah, they're I doing like it that. to stuff more ads. So we, we really need to be cognizant of that. You cognizant of that because when I'm doing an audit, I, I usually see that the, the client has plenty of content. It's just not of the highest and least needs variety. And so we need to go in, we need to talk about content auditing. We need to understand how to put and use a template, which I've refined over the years to, to get those posts to stick a little bit more in the algorithmic rankings, things like that. It's just going over, it's just refining their approach to these recipes. And one of the other things that I see that I can never teach is passion. I have the utmost respect for food bloggers. There's no way I could do what they do. I, number one, I would eat everything <laughs> in the kitchen. There you I'll go. Def I'll definitely eat everything in the kitchen. And number two, I don't uh, like, you know, the photography and the, and the ability of the, the sheer imagination it takes to come up with some of these recipes and they're, and they're, again, I have utmost respect for them. I think it's a fun and delicious yeah. niche. Um, Casey, I wish we had more time, but I wanted to thank you for joining us today and talking through all this. Really appreciate it. Pleasure is entirely mine. Thanks so much for having me, David. Absolutely. To learn more about what Casey is up to, you can visit MediaWise.com. Again, Wise is spelled W-Y-S-E. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. Again, this has been your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.